Ready, set, go. <laughs> is that what we do now? Why is that funny to you? Why would you say ready, set, go? I'm telling me that it's it's time to do the show. That's what I'm doing. Do, do you usually mute yourself when you say that? I don't usually I don't usually say it, but you I need some you kind of mental marker that okay, now the show is beginning. <laughs> okay. Don't you I don't need to say ready set go to myself. No, I don't need that. Okay. Well, you're a better podcaster than I am. <laughs> On your marks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. All right, Mike. Where is my Mike Hurley vlog. I thought that I thought these things were up on Sundays. Uh, I understand from you, from you of all people, the incredible importance of schedules. Yet there was there was no vlog this weekend. I Where cannot believe that you're the first person to say this to me. Like of everyone in the world, to ask where's the vlog. I, I really didn't think it would be Mister Mister Schedule over there. Well, here's here's the reason I'm asking. It's your fault for setting up these expectations that it's that it's there on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I know you said you, I said uh, you had like your little get out of jail free phrase, whatever it was. You're like, oh, frequent but not or something. I don't even remember what it was that you said. Yeah. But then you go ahead and upload at the, like the same time on the same day for four weeks in a row, and so now you've set a schedule, and so now you have failed to meet my expectations, and I am disappointed. The uploading on the Sundays was just because the only time I had to work on the videos was the weekend, right? So it was like, well, it's done by Sunday because now I've got to get to back to work on Monday, mm-hmm. which is fun, actually, because it makes it feel more like a side project in a weird way, like I'm stealing like my weekend evening hours to do it. Right. But no, I haven't done one this week because uh, we finally have the keys to the house. Hey! Uh, we, have, we have the key to Cortex Cottage. Wow. That was that was a hell of a Zeno's paradox getting closer and closer to those keys from iMessages that you were sending me over oh, yeah. time. It was always like, it's two months away, right? And then two months pass, and it's it's one month away. And then one month passes, and you know, it's two weeks away, right? It's like, <laughs> we're getting closer, but not, right? That, oh, that, was, was, that was my experience watching you go through this. I just had this, like, mental image of the estate agent was handing me the keys and they would drop the keys. And then every time I went to pick up the keys, I kicked them. <laughs> this was like the way in my brain that right, this process had been. Is that just every now and then I'd, I'd bend. I was like, oh, I've just kicked it away again. And it just, you know, further and further. But we finally had the keys. Wow, that is that is exciting. So are we recording from Mega Office right now? We were supposed to be. Oh. Because we were supposed to record like three days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have spent the week with contractors and then the contractors needed more contractors who needed more contractors who needed lots of subcontractors yeah it just kept going and going and going there was an apprentice at one point i'm being deadly serious (laughs) oh god that's not what you want to hear right it's like subcontractors all the way down fine i understand this you know this is how you how you build things and you know why build one when you can build two for twice the price Mm -hmm. but you don't want the apprentice the apprentice feels a bit like I don't know anymore. It's like your situation's so bad, somebody can learn from it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually. I was, uh, I was just, I was just in the in the doctor's office, and they there was a big sign up saying that there was an not an apprentice, but like a trainee. But it might as well have said like we have the magician's apprentice today. Yep. And I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> also, as well, like I I completely uh, have faith in the plumbers that we had. 
But every now and then when I walked around the corner and the apprentice was putting the pipes in, I was like, mm. <laughs> can you just not like switch over every time you hear the door open? Right. So like I only see the fully qualified plumber putting my pipes in. Is that okay? Can we do that, please? Yeah. Um, even though like she she knew she knew what she was doing. At one point, I walked around the corner and she had a blowtorch, and I was like, "You are a lot better at everything than I am. Like you're handling a blowtorch right now, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, mm. But good luck to you." So it has been a tough week. I had an entire set of equipment ready, including a MacBook Adorable. Mm-hmm. Which is probably the best computer in the world. Oh, that doesn't run iOS, of course, because uh-huh. we know the iPads are, are king. But that mm-hmm. thing is—it's in, incredible. It's—it's it's like barely a computer. It's just nothing there. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I love it. I love it. Wow, what a convert! I couldn't believe it. Uh, I had it for like a day, and then I edited a show on it, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely fine, and it also weighs nothing. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's the, it's the nothingest computer you can possibly own. It's incredible, and it's gold. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, you got a gold one, <laughs> and it has stickers on it, and it looks incredible already. So I had all of this equipment ready to record from there, and it was going to be this like funny episode where there's like all this echo, and it's like oh, I'm sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. But no, we couldn't do it because the situation kept getting worse and worse, and uh, I was there for two straight days in a room on a chair with a little table in front of me that I've been left from the previous people on my own with just things happening around me uh, for two straight days. So just contractors coming in, people yeah. painting. Yeah. And then ha- having to come back whatever. as pipes were falling out of the wall. And it, you know, it just, everything's fine. Um, and it's good now. Uh, it was not good for a while, but like, it's okay now. But it's just meant that this week has been an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just so the listeners understand, when Mike says pipes were falling out of the wall, that that is not an exaggeration. There was a situation where a pipe literally fell out of a wall. Yeah, it did. That that one hundred percent happened. Uh, he just touched it and it fell off. So uh, it's been it's been a week um, so far. Like it's what day is it today? Is it Thursday? Wednesday? Thursday today? Today's Thursday. Today's it Thursday. feels like it's next Wednesday. Right. Uh, I thought, like, it's weird in a way. Like, the the buying process was was a time suck. Mm-hmm. But it was completely different to this one because the buying process was short bursts of my time spread right. out over an incredibly long period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this, this part with, like, the getting the house ready is intensely long periods of time mm-hmm. over two days. It's felt way worse that way because I've, I've lo- like, just completely lost multiple days of work. But it's nearly there. And not in the way of like the house buying process nearly there. Uh, because all of the bad stuff is taken care of now. Yeah, see, the thing is, though, like, I don't even want to jinx it by saying, oh, when do you think you're going to be moved in? Or, or, it's just like, but you never, it's, you're still, you are still deep in unknown, unknowns territory here, right? Like, you think all of the mm-hmm. bad stuff is over. But now that you are actually in the house, you'll find out if that's true. There is a thing. We will be moved in, give or take, in four weeks. Okay. Because we have no choice. We have to leave this house. So Okay. Well, the house may not be ready, but, okay. but we can't be here anymore. So You are going to be ejected from your current location, mm-hmm. and you need to land somewhere, so you will be in the house in four weeks. Exactly. Because the house that I'm sitting in right now has been sold. Okay. So I don't think they will want us to be here. 
No, probably (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. The new owners will not want you there. No. Can't you see I'm recording in here? Get out. (laughs) You need to be really quiet. I don't care that this is your bedroom. I don't care. Just get out of here. So that is the current situation. It has been um, a hellacious and uh, relatively expensive week Mm -hmm. for me so far. Uh, Which brings us to our next item on the agenda today. We have a new T-shirt for sale. <laughs> uh, we're bringing back the monkey brain. Uh-huh. The, this is a uh, a T-shirt design that many people have asked for, so we are bringing it back, and it's currently on sale for three weeks. Uh, it is a limited edition variation of the monkey brain shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have ta- we have ejected him from the circle that he was once contained in, um, and he is now adorned on the chest of the shirt in monkey brain glory. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a working title for the shirt uh, called the Cortex Cottage Limited Edition Monkey Brain T-shirt. <laughs> you have to understand, listeners. Mike really has bought a house. Yep, and really does have expenses that need to be covered. <laughs> it's just like do 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 do. I'm minding my own business. I get messages from Mike about like time for a t-shirt and i go why and then i hear a long story about a boiler that ends in total horror right Mm -hmm. total horror and large unexpected expense and so i said yes mike i think not only not only do we need to have a t-shirt but i think that this t-shirt really does need to be dedicated to the cortex cottage to mike's new house and solving some serious problems for him so please, listeners, you should really buy one of these for Mike. Now, I want to make something super clear. Uh-huh. If nobody bought this T-shirt, I would be okay. Right? We would be fine. But if everyone buys this T-shirt, I am in a much better situation. It's, it's not like Mike loses the house if you don't buy the T-shirt. Nope. But Mike will feel a lot better if you do. We had some severely unexpected costs. Um. Mm. And and if they are able to be uh, covered, that would be brilliant. That would be very nice. It would make me super happy. So we've made a really nice T-shirt, and uh, there is a, a a house icon on the back of it. Uh, it's very tiny, so you know that you have supported Cortex Cottage. Uh, there is distribution from the US and from the EU. We have varying oh, colors. Oh, very nice. Yep, so people can choose. Um, in the past, we've done like you hit one link and you get taken to whichever country you're in we're doing it slightly differently this time because there are different colors available to us in the us and the eu um so i'm gonna put both links in take a look choose what colors you like see how the pricing works out for you and then you can choose what you want it's just because the supplier that we have they have different colors available so Mm -hmm. go take a look see which ones you like and buy as many as you can <laughs> Seriously, I want to just point out I'm I'm fine. I'm totally fine. We are fine. Uh but if you buy a t-shirt, I would really appreciate it. I do like that sales pitch of not trying it's like you're not necessarily going for breath there, you're going for depth. Like if you're buying a t-shirt, maybe you should consider seven. <laughs> yeah. There's there's four colors, right? Choose two of them. Um, right. There are there are four colors. And yes, it really it really is dedicated to Mike's house. I really do like the little the little design on the back of the shirt that has a tiny little house along with the the sort of the serial number and a bit of the redundant t-shirt uh, motif from before. So I think it looks great and I think it would really help Mike. 
Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by Blue Apron, the company whose mission it is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron will deliver seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to help you make delicious home-cooked meals. Every single meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients that you can prepare in 40 minutes or less. You can customize your recipe each week based on your dietary preferences and choose the delivery option that fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you can get deliveries when you want them, and Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental United States. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with fresh ingredients that support a more sustainable food system, you can make incredible meals. Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranches. Research shows that cooking together builds strong family bonds and Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. One of the things about Blue Apron is it takes away a lot of the time that it takes to do this stuff yourself because you don't need to go and buy the stuff. It's delivered straight to your home. You don't need to look up any recipes because they give you them all. It's all nicely presented on these beautiful cards. And you don't even need to think about or research new recipes because they present new and amazing food for you to cook every week. And none of their recipes are repeated of any year. And you'll be able to cook things like pan-seared chicken with roasted fall vegetables and butter caper sauce, spicy lotus root and purple carrot stir-fry with sweet noodle potatoes, and lemongrass roasted port with romanesco cauliflower and coconut rice how great does that sound check out this week's menu for yourself and get three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash cortex you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait visit blueapron.com slash cortex and we thank blue apron for their support of this show and Relay FM, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Earlier on, you were complaining about the fact that I haven't put out a video. Yeah. You've got me covered because you can't stop. You're on a kick. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not how this works. I that's think not how it this is. works at all. You are in an out of character abundance of videos recently. Uh, am I, though? Yeah, but you are because you, you've posted like a million videos across your various channels. What have you done? I'm taking a look now. No, it, no. Let's see what we've got here. Okay, look, I, I know people say this. I know people say this. And I think as part of the joke, people love to be like, oh, look, CHP Grey is uploading a bunch of videos. Uh, even even weirdly, YouTube Trends got in on this joke, which I thought was kind of funny. Really? Yeah. So it, I, don't know if, I don't know if you are aware of this, but if um, I don't think it's not on the main site, but if you open up YouTube on the app, yeah. there's the trending videos section. And I always kind of wonder about the details of this process, but some of the videos have an editorial comment below them. Uh, Like, presumably, I I have no idea, but presumably there's someone at YouTube who is vetting what goes on the trending page to make sure that they don't end up with something terrible on there. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my guess is probably what they're up to. Uh, And part of that process is occasionally, like, there's an editorial comment below the trending video and when I released uh, one of the Electoral College ones, the second one or something, there, there was a little comment which said, like, CGP Grey unusually releases two videos in a week about the Electoral College. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, 
like, okay, I guess even the structure of YouTube wants to get in on the gag that CGP Grey never releases videos very frequently. So <laughs> thanks, whoever that editor was. But I, I still maintain that this totally doesn't count because as far as I'm concerned, I released like one and a half real videos. I released the Rules for Rulers video and then the follow-up with the Death and Dynasties video that was whatever it was, I think maybe eight days, 10 days later, something like that. I view that as like one and a half videos. And then I released a bunch of nonsense and yep. short things. Mm -hmm. And th like those are not those are not videos. I don't think those count as actual video releases or anything. But every, everybody likes to joke about them. So I want to just, just count this up here. You released a video of a dog in a park. <laughs> just, I don't even know why you did that. Like, I can't... Who's... Is that your dog? Whose dog is... Anyway. Um, Rules for Rulers, Death and Dynasties, an updated version of The Trouble with the Electoral College, Re the Trouble with the Electoral College, Cities, and then it cuts off. I can't see it from where I am right now. Uh, and then also a, a video about an Apple book, which is a uh -huh. whole other can of worms yeah this is a lot this is a lot for you gray this is i mean i know that you say like oh it's a funny video it's a half video this is like six youtube videos in a month right okay it's just it's strange it's just strange to see you be so prolific you've you've clearly there's been a few things that you've got a lot to say about recently yeah, well it, you know it's been a it's been a strange time but i, I will stand by my remark that a I think like a 19 second clip of a dog chasing some parakeets in a park does not count as a video. Uh -huh. and, and I think a 18 second comment that just changes a number from a previous video does not count as a video. So I, I, I am firmly standing by that notion that I've actually released one and a half videos over this length of time. Sure. The, uh, that dog video, I think I recognize a piece of hardware used to make that video. Oh, do you? I do, yeah. And I noticed it in another video that you tweeted. You bought the Osmo, didn't you? Yes, I did. I was I was actually wondering if you were going to notice that or not. Oh, I noticed it. I've just waited until now to tell you. <laughs> you, you also, you tweeted a video of you walking in a park, I think. Mm -hmm. I yeah, knew. Yeah. I, I thought when you had, with the dog video that you bought it, um, with the walking in the park, I could 100% tell. In case anybody yeah. doesn't know, this is a um, like a, a gimbal, like a steady cam type thing that you put your phone into. I bought one and shoot some of my vlog footage on it. Um, and I know that some of the footage that I showed you uh, when we were all, you were very excited about it. So I can see, I can see that you bought it. Why did you get that? You just interested? Yeah, I guess we. I hope we haven't talked about that gimbal on the show. I think. No, I don't think we have. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, okay, so for, for anyone who's not aware, a gimbal is essentially like a little handheld stabilizer. Yeah. And there are a bunch of them that are used specifically with phones. So while something like the iPhone has video stabilization built into it, uh, there are, they, they are these devices which will... I mean, it's so cool to see them in operation that they do their best job to hold the phone in the same location in space as yep. you're walking around. Uh, and it's it's... It's very interesting to see how this little mechanical arm counteracts however you move it. And the result is that you can get some really fantastic looking footage if you know what you're doing with it. Yeah, and the company that makes this one, the, what's called the Osmo Mobile, is DJI, which is the company that also makes all the best drones. Mm, I forget that they're the drone company too. They make the Phantom and the Mavic and the Inspire. They make all of those. 
I, I had had this on my mind for a long time as a piece of hardware that I wanted to get because basically there was a project that was on my mind that I wanted to do that would require some actual uh, real-life footage. Mm-hmm. And so like, getting a gimbal had always been in the back of my mind and the ones I had looked at, I never thought were great. And then I was super impressed by your gimbal when I saw it in action. And so I finally decided, let, let me get this and let me just do some test footage with it mm-hmm. to, to see if this thing that I want to do will even work. Uh, and I said, like, right now, it looks like the answer to that is probably not but I, I, I definitely just wanted to get it and, and try it out. And so th- that's partly why, like, I have this this little video clip of a stabilized dog chasing parakeets in the park. Because I, I was just walking around the park and kind of shooting stuff and playing around with it and trying to get a feel for how does this work. But it is a fantastic piece of equipment. It's so cool. Yeah. And, and like, it's not cheap. Nope. But anybody out there, if you are thinking of doing any kind of vlogging, I feel like I can really heartily recommend this thing. Like it's it's going to make your footage look so much better, mm-hmm. and and it has what I what I think is hilariously like the vlogger mode, where you can have the camera pointed at yourself and it will track your face. Yep. So you right, so you can be holding holding out your camera in front of you. And doing the like, oh, look at me, I'm walking around shooting a vlog like I see people doing in London quite frequently. And you can you can be sure that your face will always be in the center of the frame because it's doing live facial recognition on you and making sure to always keep your face in the center, which is almost like magic witchcraft levels of technology now. But it's it's very cool. And and I think I can even as someone who is not a vlogger, like I can totally recommend this as a piece of equipment if you're thinking about this. My favorite thing that it does, you can say to it, I want a time lapse from here to here. You, you, you move it around and say, like, I want you to go from this point to this point, And I want two minutes of footage. And you just mm-hmm. put it down. I've got this little stand that you can put it in. You just clip it in, leave it, and it will just move on its own, and it gives you the footage. It's that's awesome. Right, so I did some of that stuff in my island video, like of just getting like the the kind of the time lapse videos of the mountains and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I just put it down and I just let it go. It's brilliant. I, yeah. I really love it. This is not a sponsorship. Nope. But DJI, we're totally open to <laughs> to having a sponsorship. This isn't, <laughs> but I would do one. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> give us a call. I really love your products. I also want a drone because, of course, I do. Uh, and the Mavic looks really impressive. So send me one. <laughs> Shameless, Mike. Shameless. I don't care. I really I think it looks cool and it's super expensive. And I, I, as we have already outlaid, I can't justify that right now. <laughs> so how are you doing this? How are you making all these videos? Like... Everybody that listens to this show knows that it takes you forever to put a video together. Even with your new process of having an animator, the scripts we've we've established take you months at best. Like I don't understand how you're doing this based on your own kind of very stringent requirements that you set for yourself. I mean, okay, well let's just let's just take a look at the ones that I uploaded to the the real YouTube channel, not the CGP Grey Two YouTube channel, you know, right where I upload uninteresting things. So this this was interesting because the two little electoral college follow up videos that I did were actually now the first time I have animated something in three videos worth of time. You can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
I think I think you really can tell. Oh uh, no, you can. You yeah. re- you you can tell. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to the new style now, Gray. I've got to say. No, the new the new thing is much better. Uh-huh. Um and and so I they weren't really animated because I was partly just pulling footage from my old videos yeah. and and laying stuff down on, on top of them. So that that was very easy to do. I mean, the, the first one where I'm just simply commenting on the fact that the the number of times the electoral college has had this strange result has increased. You know, the, I mean that I I put that that together in like an hour uh, the morning of the election results from my perspective in the UK, which would have been late late night in America. So that was really simple to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's 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 a funny thing, which is the longer video, which is the the one with the ridiculous title, like re the, the trouble with the electoral college. That w- that was just a case of, I was really trying to write a whole new video about the electoral college, recognize that I had an enormous amount of stuff that I wanted to say about it. Also recognized that there was no way that I could do this in the time frame that I would want to do it. And I, I kind of shelved this big update to the Electoral College video. But then but then a little bit like the rules for rulers thing that we discussed last time, like I, I just like I found myself just constantly thinking about a couple of parts of that video. And so the the follow-up thing that I ended up putting up on Friday. I feel like that video was the flip side of the same process that produced the rules for rulers. Now, in the case of the rules for rulers, like I'm really happy with this video that I produced that I couldn't let go that kind of drove me crazy for a while. But I, I think that the 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 update video is is the flip side of this coin because it's a video that is is frankly like not very good. It was produced in an absurdly short period of time. It's the kind of thing that like looking at it Almost immediately after it's published, I can see all of the writing and structural flaws mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. it. But it's like, but it was produced in a day, essentially. Like I took a bunch of stuff that I had written, I rewrote it as a different thing in the morning, animated it in the afternoon, and then put it up on the YouTube channel. And then I felt like free, right? I feel like, okay, brain, you can let go of this now. We've done a thing. It's not a very good thing, but at least like you've you've you can let this go, right? We can stop thinking about this for now and we can come back to it and do it properly at some point down the road. Uh but but that's what was occurring here. Also for for various reasons this probably isn't the right time for that video in a weird way. Yeah, I like I, I can't even I can't even judge if it is or not, like who knows. Like it's from a perspective of catching the zeitgeist, of course it is, but to do an objective video where you look at that it's probably not the right time for it yeah it, it might be better to wait until yeah. a period in which nobody really cares about politics and yeah. then try to release a thing uh i i, I don't know i don't know I've, I've had a bunch of thoughts about it but sometimes i think these things happen in the working process where you can see the like different outcomes that result from the same process and i think the rules for rulers video and the re the electoral college video are are just like an astounding example of opposite results from the same fundamental thing of like sometimes i can't let a thing go sometimes a 20 minute video pops out of that which took six months right sometimes a four and a half minute video that took a day 
Like, yeah, it's both extremes of the same thing. Yeah. And also wildly varying quality levels, right? Like it's, it's just, it's interesting to see, but it's like, I keep, I keep sort of joking online that that video was way more about catharsis. Like I just like, I need to do this so that I can let it go. Right. And then, and that's, and that's where we are now. So uh, I think that is partly why there has ended up being a bunch of videos that I have put up in a relatively short period of time. It is funny to see when you go on these bents, though. You know, like I'm glad I'm glad it's funny for someone because it's not funny for me. It's like not funny, haha. Uh huh. Right, but it's it's just like every now and then I'll see you do a thing, and I just know that you're in a you're in a state. You know, like you set up a whole new Reddit to help you try and combat some of this. Like, I just I just watch you, you just spiral, and then you come back again. <laughs> One day you're going to fall down that hole, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, but until that point, I'll just keep watching you from afar. Yeah, I sort of forgot that I set up the second Reddit. Uh, and I do, like, someone pointed out to me, they're like, you know you've done this before, set up an alternative Reddit? Really? I like, oh, I totally forgot. Whoops. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know bursts of activity and you know right, right now i feel like a, a burnt out shell of a human being at the at the moment is 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 what has happened on the other end of this that this is a, this this is i think an unusual amount of activity like really just a, a lot yeah uh, i've had a bunch of videos in a relatively short period of time go watch that dog video people it's like zen yeah that's that's what, that's, that's, that's the real money <laughs> You know, just go watch the dog video. <laughs> uh, you remember last time we were talking about Steve Jobs and the Apple board and mm-hmm. kind of looking at how he put his keys into place. Sasquatchietti on the Reddit provided some some follow-up that I wanted to, to read. So they said, I remembered reading about this in the Walter Isaacson biography and the story is more bold than Gray had imagined. Ooh. I know, right? <laughs> After Jobs tried to make his first change to the board and they wanted to study it for two months before implementing it, he told them he couldn't save the company if he wasn't going to get the support he needed. He demanded that everybody quit or he would resign immediately. So the board all resigned at once, except one guy that Jobs said could stay. (laughs) Then he replaced all of these people with people of his choosing. He knew he had all the leverage. Because who wants to be on the board that brought Steve Jobs back to Apple, then lost him again? Oh, interesting. Yeah. interesting. And the company was doing so badly at that point that they would absolutely get blamed for it continuing to tank after letting Jobs go. They needed him more than they even needed their own board seats. That is a fascinating additional detail there yeah. of how was it that he was able to manipulate the board of directors to be so on his side yep because it was just basically it's it's either you do what i say or your the company blows up right? right and in addition to that the board had already brought him back yep and it would look terrible if he quit and they're all calculating for their future careers it looks terrible for them as board members of other companies. Yep. That is that is very interesting. And I feel like, again, as an example of structures lining up, 
so that a thing can happen in a particular way. That is yeah. that is a very interesting additional detail to the story. Because the stars are all aligned, right? They they approved the, the buyout of Next. They acquired right. Next for its OS and then brought Jobs back into the fold and it created this beautifully romantic story. Mm-hmm. You know, the man coming back to save the company and then he just leaves again. <laughs> you know, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be yeah, those and, people. And, and that would totally have tanked the company at the time. Like I completely see that as a as just a death knell for we've made an acquisition and the main dude is, is out the door as soon as he possibly can be we just think of like the the way the stock market would have reacted right mm. jobs comes back sees how bad it is and decides he can't save it and leaves yeah and it's it's also brings up the interesting thing which uh speaking of board of directors i, I think this is a detail that people are often unaware of is how much CEOs are often boards of directors for other companies, like how closely related lots of seemingly competitive companies are. Mm-hmm. And then that makes sense as to why, like why do the board of directors about Apple care a lot about protecting their reputation? It's because they are going to be connected with a bunch of other companies that either they are the CEOs of, or that they are on the board of directors of. Just to give a tidbit on that, if people don't know, uh, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, he's on the board of Nike. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Eddie Q, who's a senior vice president at Apple, he's on the board at Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is this is the thing that is so much more common than you think it is. And if, if you ever dig into the details of, like, pick a random company, look at their board of directors, and it just, it spirals out into a web of other companies. And it's like, oh, okay. This makes sense as to, like, why are Apple and Nike working together on an Apple Watch? It's like, hmm, okay, well, because their senior-level people are, like, trading positions with each other in, in their companies as far as how they're related. So it's, it's I think it's a very interesting phenomenon of board interconnectedness among companies. So Bob Iger, who is the CEO of Disney, was on the board of Apple. Hmm. There we go. I wonder how that Pixar thing went down, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's that's how this goes, right? Yeah. That's that's how this goes. It's another one of the ways that a company can distribute rewards to key supporters who are also people who are in charge of companies that can be quite useful to the CEO of the primary company. Like you can you can just see the structure a little bit unveiled if you ever trace the board relationships across companies so seemingly seemingly competitive companies often will have key members of of their boards who are like on the other person's company you think how much are you really competing it doesn't seem like maybe that much This episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Indochino, one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands around. Indochino are all about making it easier for men to get great-fitting, high-quality suits and shirts at an incredible price. This is how it works. You go to Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, or you could play at Old School and visit one of their nine showrooms in North America. You take a look through their hundreds of fabrics and patterns. Then you get to choose your own customizations that you want to make to the custom-made suit that you're going to get sent to you. This could be 
lapels to pleats to jacket linings and tons more, then you just need to submit your body measurements to them. Now, this is actually really easy. They have a super handy tool that will walk you through step by step of what you need to do, where you need to measure and how you need to do it. Then you just enter these measurements one by one into the site. They have these little videos that they show you. This is how you measure this part. This is how you measure this part. If you need it, Indochino will even mail you a lovely little tape measure. I asked for one and it's very cute. I like it. I was super surprised at how easy all this was to do. And it's all down to the care Indochino have taken to walk you through it. That's why it's simple. Once you've done this, you just kick back, relax, and get ready to step into the best, most stylish suit you've ever worn. And it takes just four weeks. In the past, all the suits that I've ever bought, I've bought off the rack, right? Gone into a change room, tried them on, and bought them. Never really super happy. Like, it wasn't made for me. It was just something that I bought in a store. Because trying to buy a custom-made suit is an extremely expensive thing. But with Indochino, you can get a made-to-measure suit for just a few hundred dollars, rather than thousands, even. So my suit has arrived from Indochino. I chose a lovely classic navy herringbone suit, and I am so pleased with it. I've never had a suit where I've put it on and it has fit as well as this one does. I'm really surprised at just how well this suit is made with just my measurements entered online. Like, it is really, really awesome. I was so impressed with how easy it was to put all this stuff in and what it's turned out is a suit that I'm super happy to wear. I'm not kidding that. As we're getting ready to move right now, I'm going to get rid of all of my other suits because I don't need them anymore. I just need this one from Indochino. And I'm probably going to get another one as well. Or maybe going to get a black one because now they have my measurements. Super simple. I can just order again. I'm so, so pleased of how this thing has turned out. Listeners of this show can get any of Indochino's premium suits for just $389 at Indochino.com when you enter the code CORTEX at checkout. That is a huge 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free and your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code Cortex for any premium suit for just $389 with free shipping. Indochino also has amazing holiday deals right now on their shirts, pants, and other products too. You'll never have to worry about badly fitting suits or expensive trips to the tailor again. Get ready to look like a million bucks. Thank you so much to Indochino for their support of this show and Relay FM. We have spent a ton of time on this show talking about email. Oh yeah, and I, we have right. Like I think it's like if you if somebody was to to really kind of uh, outline the major themes of this show, email has definitely been one of those things. Mm. And I think it's because, and I think there is an element that everybody can relate to because if you work in any kind of company, email is a big part of it, right? No matter what you do, email kind of it just has its way of just putting its tendrils out to touch every part of your life, whether you like it or not. Yes, it can be. All-consuming. Did you hear about the? Uh, did you hear about the disaster with the NHS and their email system? I saw some headlines about this. It's funny because I, I saw this headline on on uh, Hacker News, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't pay much attention to it, but as as I mentioned, I was just recently in a doctor's office, and when I was there, I was overhearing the two secretaries complaining about this thing that occurred. I was like, oh, okay, I, I see what happened here. Essentially, somebody accidentally sent out a message to all of the 2 million plus members of staff who are on the NHS oh. email list, uh. <laughs> which also includes like 
tangentially related industry. So like there's tons of doctors who work in private practice who would also get this message. It's just like, okay, so a message went out with 2 million recipients. And then what everybody was caught in is reply all. So with 2 million people, there ended up being a million people replying saying this message wasn't supposed to be for me right but they're replying all and then other and then it's like you can see what suddenly happens and the the two secretaries i was overhearing them uh say that like they got a call from someone at the nhs like trying to tell everybody individually like how to sort out this problem mm-hmm. uh and they're like don't reply to any of these messages like please, we just need to delete them we need like this is this is a terrible half-life situation we need to make it go down as fast as possible uh, but but quite legitimately, they were saying that their inboxes were filled with hundreds and hundreds of irrelevant messages surrounding the actual legitimate messages. Hundreds has to be understating it. Well, what I mean is hundreds between each legitimate message. Oh, right. So this so this was like this was the problem. And it's like, what do you do? Right. What what, what do you do? Uh, anyway, that's one that's one of the joys of email. Reply all. My favorite things is when you get caught in one of those and then somebody replies all saying, please take me off this. Yeah. That you are contributing to the problem you're trying to solve. It's infuriating. And and I keep saying half-life because like this is this is the real situation. And I I remember uh the graduate school that I went to, it, it took me years to get off some reply all email chain that had happened while I was there. <laughs> right. And it's just like so it was just like much smaller scale, but a similar thing of, you know, somebody sent out a message to everybody who was in the graduate school department, which ended up being just a ton of people. And then people were replying all about taking me off an argument. And it was like, you know, a big burst in the beginning. But I remember years later still getting someone replying all to this entire list, you know, complaining about the existence of the list. It's like, you're the problem. You're the problem. Don't reply all. Like if everybody just stays quiet and calm, this can go away really fast. But mm-hmm. it doesn't. So I'm sure the NHS will be dealing with this until the end of time with 2 million people. So the reason I brought up email today um, is I found a new email app that I think is really interesting. And oh, yeah? me and you have spent a ton of time on this show talking about apps that are specific to our own preferences and needs. Mm-hmm. Like what? what is that one that you use? Unibox? Unibox. But you may, you know, I can't imagine everybody that listens to the show wants or needs that application because it deals with email in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. But this this one that I found, this app called Notion, it's probably the best email app that I've used for specific features. And those features are business email. Hmm. So it does a few things. Now, it is phone only at the moment. Hmm. They are working on tablet apps. It's on iOS and Android. And they are using machine learning type stuff to make your email better and to make you react to it better yeah, well yeah explain what you mean by this right because i feel like machine learning is this buzzword that everybody likes to use now and it you, like when you hear machine learning just replace it with magic one of these things that upsets a lot of people but like i'm mostly fine with yes your email is going to be going through somebody else's server but mm-hmm. that's pretty much how all third-party email apps work these days for notifications etc yeah. if you don't if you don't want that you're not going to like this um yeah yeah <laughs> like, shock surprise your email is not even as secure as you think it is if it's not going through one of these services yeah. so like yeah if, if you're worried about security in your email you're already focused on the wrong problem mm-hmm. one thing that it does is it looks at your inbox and tries to assume what's important to you hmm. 
Right, so it takes a look at like people you've replied to before and stuff like that. It knows that, so obviously it's not going. It's going to keep that as an important email. Um, mm. People that have gone to contact you for the first time or whatever, maybe it thinks they might not be that important to you, or like uh, app emails or subscriptions or newsletters and stuff like that. And it, it kind of grays them out a little bit, keeps them in the order of the inbox, but grays them out a little bit. Then you get a number in the bottom right hand corner that tells you how many of these emails exist, and with one swipe you can archive all of them. So that's really cool. Helps you clean out junk really easily. So when you say it's it's grouping it's grouping similar messages according to the machine learning or grouping similar messages according to sender? Machine learning. Hmm, so it okay. is assuming what it thinks are unimportant emails. Right. And you can get rid of all of those in a swipe. Okay. You can very easily just with like, do you tap a button to say, no, this is important, and then it will learn that for future. Hmm. But it's like I'm looking at it right now, and I have nine messages in my inbox one of them is from Dropbox. One of them is from my plumber asking for feedback. Mm-hmm. And one of them is from a person who emailed me for the first time. And it's indicated that these three might not be that important. And to mm-hmm. be honest, it's got two out of three. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's doing a good job of that. But it goes way more than this, this application. This is just like the tip of the iceberg of what this thing does. And this is why it's so good for businesses. It has this thing called Radar. Radar scans your inbox and you'll send emails and highlights unanswered questions hmm that's interesting and interesting it uses another part of its technology of assessing all of your communications between people so let's say me and you i actually Mm -hmm. don't even you're not even in this list because we never email each other but let's just say me and you it will look at how long is the usual response time between me and you from Mm -hmm. me to you, and we'll assess if an email has passed that point and put it in the radar. So, for example, it may know... This would make me very sad to see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to look at your outgoing points. Oh, my God. I did, like... I feel like I don't I don't want to even know those numbers. I have so many people waiting on me for so long for so many things, Mike. Right, but here's the thing though, right? So this is it knows how the app will know how long it takes you to usually reply to somebody. Mm. It will only highlight something when it's past even that point. Yeah. To be like, hey, you should reply to this. But what is really great is that how it works on the other end. So it knows how long it usually takes somebody to reply to you. And it will then highlight just the question part. Hmm. So it looks at what it thinks is the question and it breaks them down into these little cards. And it's like, you asked CGP Grey and it may be a long email, but in that email, I asked you one question and I have not received a reply to that email, which means you've not answered it. And then it says, nudge Grey and just highlights the question. It's freaking amazing. Hmm, that sounds interesting. And then it says, like, it has a date to them. So, like, this one person who hasn't emailed me, I asked I asked her, what do you think? And they haven't replied, and they're late by 28 days based on our previous communication. Hmm. It says, uh, nudge this person. So you just press the button, and it opens an email for you to send again. And then also, like, I have an email in my inbox to a person that is overdue by eight days based on our previous communication. It's Hmm. incredible. And then also, um, I've asked questions of people that 
it says, I can expect this email in X amount of days based on our previous communications. Oh, God, that's also a thing I wouldn't want people seeing from me on the other end. And then it has a people tab. (laughs) And in the people tab, you Uh can go into an individual. You can find out what the usual response time is between each of them, who is the best person at responding in that relationship. It tells you um, who introduced you to that person. Oh, that's interesting. Because it like looks at the CCs and then works mm-hmm. out when the first email was and who it came from. I have never seen an app do the stuff that this does. And then it pulls in contact data and work history of the individual from services like Twitter and LinkedIn and their websites. Like I can look at somebody and it tells me what their personal website is because it's either looked at it maybe from their signature field or just from pulling in data from other services. It's incredible. Like, it really does a good job of intuiting what's important in your inbox. But the thing that's the most important for me is I will... I'm not using this as my email app yet. Mm. When and if they put it on iPad, I may do that just because some of this stuff is so powerful. But I open it every now and then just to see, like, what questions are outstanding. Because how else do you know that? The email goes, and then you may never see a reply, and you'll just forget unless you're tracking it in some other way. But this application tells me all of my outstanding questions to people. It's awesome. Boy, that that is very interesting. That is that is very interesting. This again highlights one of the best things about email, that it is this cross-platform open way of communicating. And then it ends up that you can build specific tools for sifting through this general purpose thing. Mm-hmm. And like that like that is very interesting to see like oh maybe you don't use this all the time but it's useful to check to make sure that you haven't overlooked something like that as a very as a very interesting idea and i'm just i'm just looking at some of the screenshots from this and i have to say yeah this this looks again like maybe one of the most different email apps i've ever seen uh and from and from your description as well it's like boy so that is that is worth keeping an eye on for when they come out with uh, an iPad version. They're also um, working on an Amazon Alexa skill. Um, I'm not sure if it's out yet, but they've showed a video of it, and you can just do all of your email through the Alexa, and you can just... Uh, I have to say it really quietly because... Because Alexa is listening right now. My yeah. echo oh. every now and then, like, I'll say it, and then it will go like, I didn't hear what you said. Like, from downstairs, I'm like, oh, <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> But like that video that they showed off was like, you can it, it will do a lot of this stuff to you. It's like Mary is waiting on an email for you. What would you like to say? Like it, it, yeah, this app is awesome. This is part of like me. I'm trying to change a few things about mm-hmm. the way that I'm working. This is probably going to come up a lot. Like I'm thinking about trying out a new to do manager. Hmm. I'm thinking about like different different email apps. I'm thinking about like optimizing my life in different ways like for 2017 the year of less comma me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like this is some stuff that's going to come up but like i found this app and i really want to move everything to it just because it's so cool but i'm also just using it frequently to check on some stuff that i might want to catch up on so i think this this one is maybe of all of the apps that we've spoken about i think that more of our listeners might get some use out of this Mm. providing Mm. that you're able to put your email through these services. Um, it, right. it depends on, on your company and, and their policies, of course, because when you put your email into it, it says, like, we need to go away and look at this, and then it gives you a push notification after a period of time to say, like, your email's now ready. 
Like right. we've, we've we've looked at it all. We now know what's going on. It's really cool, right. man. Our AI bots have have crunched on this for a while, and yep. here's here's what they're thinking. Yep. This is the world of artificial intelligence that I like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there are plenty of ways that machine learning AI neural nets and stuff like they can pull out patterns that you couldn't possibly do yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like slight slight sidebar here. Like I don't exactly know what what the what the deal is with this, but I always I always presume that this is Apple's privacy thing. I always feel like, hey, Apple, I, I, I would love for you to take a look at my health data, you know, with your little AI bots or whatever you want to do. Uh, but you, like, you won't even, you won't even pull this health data off of the phone and let it go onto an iPad or synchronize it anywhere. It's like, okay, this is super locked down. Uh, like, that seems like an area that is super ripe for all kinds of correlations and learning in the, in the same way that like you can do something with email, which is like an enormous corpus of data about you. I feel a similar thing about health stuff with the phone it's like oh come on like there's no device that knows more about me than the phone like surely there's there's something to be learned here but it feels like that's locked down as a very private kind of thing that's like that's anyway that's that's a little sidebar is my own personal annoyance i'm gonna sidebar your sidebar so we were we were together recently uh at the all conference which is a a great conference in ireland been planning to go for a while i arrive i check in i pick up my name badge whose name badge is above mine CGP Grey. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple of days later, I pick up a bag and turn around and you're standing behind me. Mm-hmm. So that was that was interesting. Anyway, so we were at this this conference together and we were, we were hanging out and I get a push notification on my watch to tell me that Stephen Hackett wants to share his health data with me, his activity data with me. Mm-hmm. To which you immediately saw, it's like, we should do that too. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm now sharing activity data with a couple of people, which you can do on your Apple Watch. And when you share this stuff with people, you feel bad about your own life. It's, <laughs> it is a really good motivational tool. Uh, because now I know when you're seeing that, like today, I will have not moved very much and you're going to know that. And I don't like mm-hmm. that. That makes me very uncomfortable. I like the activity sharing in the Apple Watch. I think, it's, I think it's done really well. I think it's actually done really well in a way that protects your privacy. Because it didn't occur to me before... But the way they've done it is you can only see the aggregate data for the other person. You you can't see like, oh, Mike was really busy running around between 3 and 4 p.m., right? You can mm-hmm. only just see here here is Mike's activity for the day. I do get notifications right now, which I'd need to arrange because I just haven't yet, of when you complete your workouts. Yeah, yeah. I think there's... Those notifications, I think, are a little bit much. So I have turned those off for everybody. Uh, because I like I don't really need to see when everybody completes their little circles. It's given me a new and interesting look into your schedule. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you what do you mean? So, suddenly now suddenly now I have bigger privacy concerns than I did at the start of this conversation. I'm what pretty do you mean? sure that I got a push notification from you at like eleven o'clock last night saying that you'd done the stair stepping exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> so there you go. I'm learning new things about you. <laughs> you work out way more than I thought and it's making me feel terrible I'm so happy that Cortex Cottage has a gym at the bottom oh good good so you'll good. see me now like 4am Mike has completed a run yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting for that one you wait for that one <laughs> waiting for a long time <laughs> how is uh, are you are you on the multi-watch lifestyle now like you're on that right how is that working for you multi-watch lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, awesome it's 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 fantastic it's everything that i dreamed it would be are you using two different generations of watch 
Yes. Okay. I got the uh what are they calling it series two is that yeah the, the, the newer one yeah so you have the original and the series two right i got the i had i bought the original watch when it came out i bought a series two to replace it which you thought was a ridiculous idea and i thought was an obvious conclusion to I, I come to do. yep okay <laughs> I heard, I heard mumbling, but we can't, I can't keep track of all of these things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, the, sh- the short version of it is I'm thrilled with the Series 2 watch. I totally love it. The battery life is fantastic. Like it is, it is noticeably, noticeably better than the original watch. So much so that it falls into the category for me of thing that I simply don't have to think about, which is amazing, right? Because like, there's so many batteries in our lives and I, I hate having to be aware vaguely of the batteries of all of these things. It's like, okay, there's the watch battery, right? There's the headphone battery. There's the phone battery. There's the gimbal battery. Right? If you're filming something, right? There's like a bazillion batteries in the world. And I love that the watch, I essentially never even have to think about it. And then combining that with the thing that I'm doing, which is at nighttime, I switch to the old watch, which I simply leave in a, a setup nighttime face so that I have it on my wrist at night so that it, it helps me sleep better, uh, that I can check the time when I'm sort of half awake. Doing those two things means I just like never have to think about the watch or the watch battery or how charged it is at any point in time hmm. because it just like it never gets below 50% either of the two watches so it's it's fantastic like i i wouldn't go out and buy a second watch if i didn't already have one but using the original as the nighttime sleep watch is is great i absolutely i absolutely love having done this you also mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about this that you wished that you could get like a kind of fuzzy clock as we've mentioned before, like you have this clock on your Mac, which kind of, it doesn't say like 2.04. It's like, it's five past three or something, whatever it will say. You know, I, obviously those times don't make any sense what I just said, but don't worry about that. Uh, some A bunch of people sent us in something called the fuzzy complication for the watch, which just tells you it's about six o'clock, stuff like that. So that thing exists. Have you tried that? No, because I have, I have no real use for this mm-hmm. because... The way Apple sets up their watch faces, you always have to have the exact time on the watch face anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right? you can't replace the clock. You can never replace the clock. It just, you now you just have two clocks on the one yeah. face. It's very confusing. There's no version of this that allows you to just have the one clock. Mm-hmm. This, again, is my eternal frustration with Apple not allowing people to design watch faces, uh, which I used to have... I used to have I used to have great hope for like, oh, obviously Apple is going to open this up. Obviously, this is a thing that will will change will come someday. Uh, but uh, a couple of personal conversations combined with Apple's brand deals with Nike and Hermes, yeah. I feel like have have totally ripped this dream of mine away. And it's like mm-hmm. there is no way that they are ever going to do this. So, yes, people can design custom watch faces, provided that they're a huge fashion brand and make their own branded watch as well. Exactly. Like when Grey Industries is a global fashion brand, then maybe I can get them to produce a watch face for me, right? You just need to go back to your original dream of making your own (laughs) T-shirts. Remember that when that was a thing? Yeah. (laughs) Suddenly, this is a more practical idea. Uh, But no, it's... It is frustrating, and I think I think this fuzzy clock complication is a perfect example of like there's there's space for this, 
but this just this just fundamentally can't work. Mm-hmm. Or even I, I've I've been uh, the past couple of days for for various reasons I don't want to get into at the moment. What I have really wanted is what I think of as like a the old pilots or flight attendant watches, where uh, like where you can have a watch that has two clock faces on it of equivalent weight, so you can set one for one time zone and one for the other one. And I feel like I've I've wanted to do this. Uh, for a couple of reasons in the past few days. And it's just, it's like, it's not, there's no great solution to this in the setup that the watches currently have. Like their little complications just don't do what I really want. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the emphasis is always on the wrong time. Like I, I want to be able to have the main time be somewhere else and have a smaller time be the the time in the current time zone. But it's like, nope, no way to do this. And this is a kind of thing like someone could create a custom watch face, which would be awesome for people who want to kind of dual think about two time zones in a very particular way. But it's like never going to happen because that market is super small and Apple's not going to make a face that that does like exactly what you want it to do. So I'm sad about that. Two watches, thumbs up, lack of custom watch faces, sad face. Not thumbs down. Yeah, I'm I'm sadder than I disapprove. That's why okay. it's a sad face. I, I don't into the emoji very well, Mike. I'm sorry. That's all right. Now, look, I'm pulling us back out again. Okay. I'm going to go back to email. Oh, okay. I saw you tweet the other day that you have found a limit that I didn't know existed, uh, that apparently you can only have 100 VIPs in Apple Mail's system. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, I have some issues with the fact that you even reached this in the first place. Okay, I'm going to have to explain what's going on here. Yeah, I think you do. Okay, the, f- the first thing the first thing that frustrates me... So, so, for the listeners, I was doing some email on my computer. I was using Apple's default mail app. And in there, you can press a little button next to a contact to immediately add them as a VIP. Mm-hmm. And I went to press this button, and I got the message which said something like, you are only allowed to have 100 VIPs. Please remove some VIPs and try again. Now, it's made me furious because, just to start with, this is such, this is such like an Apple-y message. Like this, I, this, there's something that's like the idea of Apple knows best for you, which is always frustrating, that is embodied in this idea. Because I look at that message and I think, is there some kind of, physical limit to to vips right like why why have you decided i'm only allowed to have 100 i don't think there's any real reason for this 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 number is obviously clearly selected by a human it's not even a case where like you try to add a vip and you get an error which says like you know int value limit reach 255 vips max right which is like oh okay someone programmed this and just never conceived of the idea that someone would have more than 255 vips and this is just like a bug in a sense it's like no there was a meeting somewhere in apple where they sat down and they said how many vips are we going to allow people to have 100 no one will ever need more than 100 vips great that's what we've decided end of discussion and that kind of stuff just infuriates me like a totally artificial no reason for it limit i love the way it's written a maximum of 100 vips is allowed please remove any unused vips and try again my favorite two words are allowed and unused right like allowed allowed 
who are you computer like what what are you doing and then just just the presumption that you can't have more than 100 surely there must be some that are unused yeah there's that there's no reason for this so okay so now people are wondering how did I get here? Yeah, I still <laughs> think that, like, even though this is a, a silly thing that, that, that is being coded in, I still think that you are doing it wrong as yeah, well. Yeah, no, I, I, can, <laughs> I can feel the judgment and the blame in your voice. Okay, okay. so, okay, so here, here's, here's what has happened. I have had, like, this, this tale of woe with email stretching back close to six months now, where... Essentially, at the start of my summer travels, before I went to WWDC, before I went to VidCon, when I was just getting on the plane to go to America and start doing a bunch of stuff, family reunions, all the rest of this, I have been terrible at email starting at that point. So much so that I essentially went the entire summer without really looking at email in any significant way, and then came back at some point in September and had an overwhelming number of emails to reply to just thousands and thousands of messages this is like that you know after after being filtered out you know trying to sort out for important stuff just like an incredible amount oh, of stuff after the sorting yeah after oh the sorting. no yeah now this is i always feel like there's a, there's a situation like when you have problems in life Problems always happen in these ways that end up compounding each other. And so the, the problem that happened, which, which was compounding, is that I upgraded to iOS 10. And under iOS 10, my favorite email application, which is the perfect one to deal with this problem, Unibox, is a little buggy and weird, right? Mm. There's some problems loading messages there's some problem sending replies and it's like, this is the exact worst situation to try to use this under, right? Like the, the application is going to be under an unusual amount of stress with a, with an unusually large number of messages. I contacted the developers. They said they're working on a fix, but it doesn't change the fact that like it hasn't been available to me for the last couple months. And when an email problem gets so enormous, it's also just very hard to psychologically even deal with it. It's like, maybe it'll all just go away, right? Maybe if I just don't pay any attention to this, it'll disappear. Turns out it's not true. There is an element of it that will. You know, some people will just stop trying. Yeah. But then yeah. more people will try. So what I have been falling back on is trying to just use the regular built-in mail app in terms of replying to stuff. Because it's like, I can't fully trust the app that I want to use right now. I want to try to burn through this as, as most reliably as I can. Like, this is a case where reliability is going to matter more than speed. So I'm trying to get through mail. And I've also been trying to essentially make mail as close to Unibox as I can, which is mail allows you to have this special email inbox that shows you just messages from your VIPs. And the way I want to use that is... I'm trying to filter out messages essentially from people I know and people I don't know, which again is a I understand is a very particular problem for someone in my position. Like this is not really a general purpose problem, but nonetheless, what I really want VIPs to be in mail when I'm using it is essentially my address book. 
If there's anybody I put in my address book, I want to be able to pull their messages out separately from the sea of messages. And so that's why I've been going through and essentially VIPing every single person I know who replies. And I'm also in the unusual position of having a sort of a, a large group of acquaintances who I want to have their messages elevated above as well. So for example, like I met a bunch of people at VidCon and they'll send, they send like a follow-up message and it's like, okay, great. I want to put this person in the VIP system. We probably won't email very frequently, but maybe six months down the road, they're going to send me a message about a thing. And I would rather not have them in the same group with like random people that I don't know. And this exact situation just happened with the exact person who I was actually trying to mark as a VIP when that message came up. Like someone sent me a message a while ago and I thought I'm not going to be in regular contact with this person, but I still want their message above the fray. I couldn't going to mark them as a VIP. Nope, you're not allowed. And then, you know, a couple of days ago, they happened to send me a question about a thing. And it's like, I saw it. But it wasn't filtered the way I wanted it to be. So this is this is how I have ended up in this position. And it is extra frustrating because it is a totally artificial, totally pointless limit that is built into the mail application for no reason. Isn't this a thing a human could do? Isn't this something your assistant could do? Like, do you just have a list of people? But I guess there's a lot to check, isn't it? Like, check every email that you receive against the list. Yeah, this like this is a very different thing. What I did when I came back from the summer was I did a kind of super triage of my inbox of trying to go through and find all of the genuinely urgent stuff that there was to deal with. And I essentially took aside two days to be like, I'm just doing email and I'm just going through a bunch of this stuff. And so I I cleared out a bunch of things from there, but the backlog is just so incredibly huge that, that the rest of it is very hard to deal with. And then I'm having like random stuff come in and I'm just missing it because I'm using mail because I'm not seeing everybody in my contacts and then, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I was gripped by mania for the video that I want to produce. Like there's just been a whole bunch of compounding problems that have led me in a situation where it's like, oh, I am very sad about email. I'm very sad about email. That's where I am. But give me more VIPs, Apple. Mm, It's not too much to ask. That's really not going to solve your problem. No, it totally is. That is that is the bottleneck here. No, you have hit a software limit, <laughs> but they are not your problem. <laughs> I think they're my problem. Mm-mm. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code Cortex at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you, because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. Squarespace puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points, like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck. And with Squarespace, you can build a website that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. Speaking from personal experience, you can take one of their templates and tweak it to within an inch of its life. They make just about everything customizable, and all you need to know is how to select colors or tick or untick options. It's really fantastic. All of their site templates are stunning to look at, and they all feature responsive design. So you can just make the website on your computer, but it will also look good on people's phones and tablets, and you just don't even have to think about it. 
But this is just getting started. Squarespace has tons of awesome other features like 24-7 support with live chat and email, a commerce platform which allows you to add a store to their Squarespace site, cover page if you just want to build a single page to show off your portfolio, there's a special feature just for that, rock solid, fast hosting, and so much more. If you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can begin a no-credit-card-required trial today. Just go to squarespace.com and give them a look. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CORTEX to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for CORTEX. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. It's everyone's favorite time, Gray. Let's do some hashtag Ask Cortex questions. Oh, hello. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> is this oh, okay we've got a new intro for the segment hello hello elaine what is your question elaine asks what does gray do when his assistant is on vacation is there a backup or is he on his own <laughs> i thought this was fascinating because this had never crossed my mind before clearly your assistant can't work on everything forever what do you do my assistant has some assistants who become my assistant when she's on vacation <laughs> you have one assistant no no two assistants because one is none right exactly that's perfect that's such a great solution it doesn't surprise me that this is something that you needed like that you would have gone through this already like no oh yeah there will be no break it it totally came up this summer when i was traveling It, it, it turned out that i didn't actually need to call on the additional assistant but i just i wanted to have someone available if there was some kind of problem that i was unable to deal with yeah. And that and that's all it was, like a fallback of you know, the, the situation I was trying to avoid is I'm at some family event where I can't take away time for business stuff and I really don't want to, but maybe there's some kind of problem like I just I need there to be someone who I can at least have as an option to call on for some help. Maybe they won't be able to do anything, but just knowing that there was someone who might be able to help in a situation where I might be pressed on time that was that was a thing that I, I definitely wanted to have set up. So my assistant has an assistant who was my assistant when she was on vacation this summer. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Jordan said that they were re-listening to Cortex number 10. Long time ago. Yeah, Long you mentioned ago. that you would use Omnigraffle potentially for animations if Apple ever released a large iPad with a stylus. Hmm. They did that. Oh, yeah. Did you do that? No, I did not do that. No. I think the main thing that changed is you, you, by that point, you'd basically started to transition away from animating yourself. Yeah, when we would have first discussed this, I was in a different sort of transition, which was transitioning from Mac to iOS, largely, which is mostly done at this point. I think it's, it's very unlikely I could transition more to ios than i currently have uh and so at that stage i was really trying to think about and look for an animation solution on my ipad Mm -hmm. now two things that i think are interesting is is that even now however long it's been since we record that episode there is nothing available for the ipad pro that could be an adequate solution to what i really wanted 
Uh, like that still doesn't exist. And every once in a while I check in on the, like how is the animation illustration world doing on iPad? Right. And it's like, it's an interesting world. Like there's a bunch of tools that solve very narrow problems, but there's nothing that's a general purpose solution. And I kind of wonder like what's, what's going on there? Uh, what's happening in that world? So what's the general purpose solution on the Mac? Is that Inkscape? Is that what you consider? There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of different tools. Uh, I personally was using Inkscape, but you could do the same things with Illustrator. Uh, you know, you have tools like Final Cut Pro and After Effects. Like there's a bunch of things that you can use to solve this problem. And I think right now on iOS, it would still be just incredibly time consuming or very, very difficult to actually do a serious amount of animation work on that platform. Again, there's a lot there's a lot of like particular things that you can do, but less general purpose solutions. So so it's 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 interesting sitting here now and having someone bring up a thing from the past and realizing like, oh, that that was a different problem that past Gray was dealing with. That, w- that wouldn't have even been solved if he had stuck with it. And he instead went down a different path, which is now working with an animator. Uh, which is, as a, as a slight sidebar here, uh, I'm now in the process of trying to learn After Effects for the computer. Because this is the system that I'm transitioning to away from Inkscape and Final Cut Pro. And instead working with the Adobe Suite of applications to do animations partly because they're better for working in a group and partly because I think they're just a generally better solution than what I what I had cobbled together for myself over the past few years. So you're looking at moving to After Effects and Premiere? Moving to After Effects from Final Cut Pro. Oh, interesting. Huh. Is this partly <laughs> because of your animator? This is partly because this is the tool the animator is using. It's also partly because I know people who are running serious animation outputs on After Effects. And I've seen, and I, so I've been able to see behind the scenes, like, how does this work? And it has some really, really good solutions for some of the things that I'm trying to do. So mm. I think it's probably the best tool for what I am trying to accomplish. Yeah, I guess Final Cut is really for just editing video together. Final Cut is a fantastic program but its core skill is really stitching together pre-existing clips of video mm-hmm. like let's say for example you wanted to start a vlog right Hello. Fi- yeah final cut is exactly the tool that you would probably want to get started with because i think it's really easy it's really intuitive you can do a tremendous amount in it but it is also just so not designed for animation right this is like clearly not its skill set whereas after effects is much more designed for animation i mean there are some things that that um actually that that rules for rulers video is is a really good example of uh there were a couple of changes that we made at the last possible second to the video in after effects that would have just never ever ever been possible with final cut pro uh, like the morning of, we actually ended up changing the the background that was used in the video, which might normally be like a relatively simple thing to do, except for the fact that I have this this weird thing that people sometimes tune into and sometimes don't. But the the stick figures that I use, almost always their heads are actually transparent. 
uh, I don't like to fill in the heads with any color. But so this means that there has to be like an artificial background behind some of their heads in some of the scenes. And that, that kind of thing, it's like, man, if I had done this in Final Cut Pro, changing the background would be another 20 hours of work. Whereas with the tool that is designed much more specifically for animation, it's not nothing, but it is way easier to do because the application natively understands, like, this is an animation, right? This is an animatable asset. Like, here are the different properties of this animatable asset. So uh, I'm just beginning to get into After Effects, uh, and that's that's what I'm taking a look at as almost certainly the future of how the videos are going to be produced. Hmm. So this is interesting because mm-hmm. I have been very tempted by the Microsoft Studio, which is Microsoft's new kind of desktop that they've made. It's like a 28-inch screen on a pivot, which you can bring down in front of you, and it has native stylus support. That's the one that the one that folds down. It has the little thing you put on the screen. I've just seen that one video clip everywhere. Yeah, yeah it looks like an iMac, and you can grab the screen and bring it down in front of you, and it's like a drafting table. Right? Yeah, not not only does it look like an iMac, it looks exactly like something Apple should have produced but uh-huh. didn't. <laughs> now I have said that like that computer is like the perfect form factor for the way that I work on my Mac with Final Cut and with uh, Logic with using mm-hmm. a pen stylus. To interact mm-hmm. with it. And I believe if I was a user of Adobe's products, I would be very tempted to use that machine instead of my iMac because it mm-hmm. fits my movement more and the way that I edit with gestures on the trackpad and pen input mm-hmm. for fine motion. Mm-hmm. If you are moving to something like Adobe's suite of products, mm-hmm. would you be more tempted to try something like this? Because we we both edit in the same way and this would be like direct on-screen manipulation of the work as opposed mm-hmm. to augmenting it to a, a a stylus and pad next to you. I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds in some ways, like, yes, it is totally a tempting, interesting thing. Especially because of the way we use our Macs as like function machines. For us, the Mac is like, this is this is a toaster, right? It is a machine that does a particular thing. And I don't really care about it outside of that particular thing. And in addition, this gets over one of the main problems I'm always talking about, which is transition costs. I was like, well, the transition cost of learning a new way of animating is something that I have to go through anyway. Like, I have to pay that price now. But if I'm switching to a tool that is actually cross-platform... Well, then it matters way less. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the operating system running underneath it? Like, in at that perspective, it's like, well, this Microsoft computer, from my production perspective, is essentially just an Adobe machine, right? It's the machine that runs Adobe stuff. Uh, and it's, it's it's funny you mention that because I've been it's been vaguely crossing my mind of like, well, I'm using Logic to edit all my podcasts. But I, I think Adobe has some kind of audio editing tool. They do. It's called Audition. Yeah. Like, maybe I should look into that. Like, I've heard it's much better for doing podcasts. And, and you know what the only the only roadblock in that is? That's you, Mike. You're the other person I work with who we need to share compatible file formats. But it's it's like, it's just a thing. Like, you can see how 
if I'm transitioning to a layer above the operating system for my production stuff, then it totally makes a transition to Windows way more likely for a production machine. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I will always personally be using iOS devices and so be personally much more connected into the Apple operating system. But it's like I can very easily imagine having an office in the future where I have a machine that is an Adobe machine. And then something interesting like this Microsoft drafting table makes that a much more tempting option than otherwise. And maybe Mike learns Adobe Audition. I use Audition for a few things processing-wise, like pre-processing of audio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that it does is brilliant. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how to edit using it. <laughs> like, I've looked at it, and I just can't get it. It's like it, it doesn't just transfer easily to my brain. Maybe one day. Maybe I'll learn, and I'll, I'll give you a crash course. The only way I'm ever moving this show to After Effects is if you do provide a training course for me. Just so you know. Same as when I took the videos over. Mm -hmm. You made that great little screencast and, and everything was great. It was all fine. Who knows? Maybe we're running a show on Windows in a year. Oh, can you imagine? The Reddit would be happy at least. No, but no, but you don't understand. You ne look, listen, here's, here's the key thing. You're never going to make the people on the internet happy. Oh, yeah, because we would make the people happy that say we should switch to the surface, but then we just upset all the people that use macOS. Exactly, right? That's that's all that happens. Like all you're ever doing is trading one group of angry people for another group of angry people. So if you mm -hmm. if you use Apple stuff, you're going to hear from all the Windows people. If you use Windows, you're going to hear from all the Apple people, right? So it's 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 not about them, Mike. It's about you. And what do you want to do? All right. Uh, there's a bunch of questions that come from that came from Twillis five three seven on Reddit. Great Reddit name. Uh, that are meta questions about this show. Hmm. And I, I get these every now and then, like one or two of them, but this individual just gave a bunch. So I think it might answer a lot of questions and or make more questions, who knows, but it might at least suffice people who are interested in this stuff, like about Cortex. So they start with, what is the usual time spent recording an episode? This is the most interesting part to me because we probably record for, a, on average, about four hours. We're on the phone together. Would you agree? Does that feel about right? That feels about right. Sometimes it's less, but sometimes it's like six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. That is not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration at all. But do you want to explain to the people why it is that it's four or six hours when they're listening to a show that's maybe an hour and 20 to yeah. two hours long? I feel like we should because otherwise people are going to ask for all of it. <laughs> there is a probably on average about 45 to 60 minutes before the show begins where we're booting up yeah right yeah. where we're just like preparing for the show like this is the stuff we're going to talk about a lot of the time we'll look at the document together that that we prepared and we'll trim and we'll rearrange then mm -hmm. there's just like a little bit of just gassing where we're just getting ready Mm -hmm. Then about 15 minutes of saying, I'm ready now. Are you ready now? Yes, I'm ready now. Are you ready now? We do that a bunch. Then you'll go get another coffee because you're usually done by that point. Um, there are usually breaks in the middle that we take. Uh, mm -hmm. One day we took like a two-hour break in the middle. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> With, mm -hmm. um, and then usually after the show's done, there's just a bit of decompressing time. It, mm. 
it's not interesting in any way, uh, but it it exists. Yeah, I, f- I find it interesting. Like, I, I don't I don't have this with anything else, but there is a kind of we were actually discussing it today, just sort of unrelated to this. But for this show, I don't know what it is, but I, and and we both agree that this is the case. That we kind of feel like we need to talk to each other about nothing in particular for a while, yep. before either of us is kind of set to go, mm-hmm. and and that's a that's a strange thing. Uh, like it doesn't happen to me with other things. You you know you said you don't have the same thing with other shows. Nothing. I, I like I don't I don't know what it is, but for some reason I know that I I could not possibly just walk into an episode cold. That there, there is this phase of warming up that is absolutely required, and sometimes is hilariously long. Uh, and, and when you're saying about that, there, there comes a moment where we're both saying, "Like, are you ready? Are you ready?" I am always aware of how often we then have another little diversion after that point, where it's like, "Oh, all the recording equipment setting up. Like, oh, okay, we're great." And in in theory, we should start the show at that moment, but one or the other of us just brings up something that we end up talking about for a while. It is really strange, and it is why, honestly, I set my entire day. <laughs> like nothing else will go in the diary on Thursdays because yeah. it it this it just takes that amount of time. And I'm really proud of the show, and I believe that it takes six hours for us to get ninety minutes. And if that's what it takes, then then I'll keep giving it that. Yeah, and that's why this can be on the easy week for you. Is like this is the yeah. only thing that you have to do. Yeah, no, you know, it's the single still got that right single yep. task. Mm-hmm. Quiet week. Super quiet week. Super quiet week. How long is the gap usually between recording and posting? So typically, we record on Thursday and release Mm. on Monday, typically. Mm. If we don't release on Monday, it's probably been 24 hours since we recorded. (laughs) That tends to be the way that it goes, right? Like, we're recording this, it's Thursday, and it will probably be out on Friday. Because if it's if we haven't, because we're late, we're super late. Like we're really late this week. We're like a week late at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that tends to be how it goes, right? We we kind of get it out over a weekend mostly. Yeah, I feel like these these are the two modes. There's yep. Mike is happy with the schedule mode, which is we record on Thursday and it goes up on Monday. And then there's, oh no, we need a cortex, and there was some reason why the regular schedule didn't work. And then because uh, in particular, like your schedule is is very booked, uh, like it's hard for you to necessarily find time uh, to record like a random other show that's going to suck up your entire day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yes, otherwise we have shows that are like recorded one day and then put up the next day. And th- <laughs> this show is going to be that case. And the, the, the previous one we recorded was the same as well, I think, right? Like we recorded it and then it was up the following day. I don't even know anymore. Probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the yeah the last one was was up uh, t- less than 24 hours after we recorded it. So, so yes, th- those are the two those are the two ways that this is done. <laughs> I much prefer the other way because to what's going to happen today is we will finish recording. Uh, I will take a break for an hour, and then mm-hmm. I will listen back to what we just recorded. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. That's tough to relive the conversation you just had. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to say, for, for anyone who uh, who doesn't do this kind of work, like I, I have had to do that with podcasts a number of times where it's like you've just spent three hours recording and now you have to edit you talking for the previous three hours. Mm-hmm. 
is it is not fun like it, it is not fun at all uh partly partly because you don't necessarily have a lot of distance from the conversation that you have just had and so it, i think it is much harder to to edit immediately after it is and i find when i do that i am vastly more aware of of all of the kind of of ways that conversations go when you're not good at explaining yourself or like you think you said a thing in a correct way and you realize like oh i actually did a terrible job explaining what i was trying to say I, I find if I edit a show immediately after recording, all of that stuff is way worse. Like I'm just much more aware of it. And it is harder because you don't have a little bit of distance from the show itself. If, if anyone ever records a podcast out there and they edit it later, I really recommend giving it at least one day, like like one, one uh, sleep cycle before you go into the editing process. I think that really helps just to give yourself a little bit of distance from the thing that you have just made. So I'll add an addendum here which is it depends on the show. So all of pretty much all of my other shows, they're posted on the same day that they're recorded, but I edit them differently. So Yeah, that's it. It's a very different editing process different. For, what, for the other things so that you're doing. Say with one of my shows like uh, Connected or Upgrade, they're like news-focused shows. The mm. way that I edit those shows is whilst I'm recording, I take notes of the parts that need to be fixed. You know, maybe we, we talked over each other or right. where somebody uh, kind of stumbled a little bit. And then I'll go in and I'll just fix those specific parts so I can edit a 90-minute show in 15, 20 minutes because all right. I'm doing is just cleaning up specific parts. Now, the way that we edit this show, which is the next question is how long does the editing process take? Um, with this show, and I do this with maybe one or two other shows, uh, I... And we listen to the whole show and edit all of the audio. So this can be like restructuring things, cutting parts out, snipping out words, cutting out ums and ahs and stuff like that. That is a very different style of editing. And it is nicer to have a break between those. And for me, one of the benefits that I have from the break is, let's say I take like a day or two before I'll come back to it. It just percolates in my brain a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I'll just be like, I'll be doing something and a part of the conversation will pop into my brain and I'll be like, yeah, I've got to cut that bit. Mm-hmm. And it's and then when I come back to it, I've already had the thoughts and it's easier for me to do it. But when I'm just going straight back in again, I have to make a lot of those decisions as they're happening, which is a bit trickier for me. Yeah, that, that is the number one uh, benefit that you get from time away from a project is it's easier to recognize what parts don't belong, mm-hmm. which actually to tie this back to the very thing that I was talking about in the beginning is part of the reason why like one of the videos I released the the re electoral college video it's not as good and I can see it's not as good because I never had any time away from that to realize like oh I can restructure this and move this around or like this thing in the beginning is obviously like nobody cares why you're even talking about it but like when you're just doing a thing immediately it's way harder to see that and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'll back that up entirely. Like more distance between the editing and creation phase results in in better products by far. And I do think it's funny that you don't take notes for this show about what needs fixing because in a way it's like all of it needs fixing, right? You know, you're recording it in a very different way. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason all of my shows are done in this kind of very heavy editing intense fashion because... I'm not necessarily the best extemporaneous speaker in the world. And so like this, this helps make the show easier for the listener to digest, right? Rather than easier for the producer to produce. That is uh, self-fulfilling in a way that the extemporaneous part, because 
you lean into the fact that you know the edit's happening. This is a subconscious thing. Because for example, I am way worse extemporaneously talking on this show than any of my other shows. Mm -hmm. Because I know there's something in the back of my brain that tells me it can just be fixed later. Mm -hmm. I need to cut myself on this show in ways that doesn't happen on my other shows. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. But it's like, this is what it is. And I prefer this show cut that way. Um, but it is a strange thing that my brain does. There's like two, maybe two or three shows that I do where somebody will listen before it's done, and, and I am way worse at expressing myself on those shows in a coherent manner. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is a whole other topic for a whole other time. But there's there is a huge difference between producing something live when you know an audience is listening, and producing something when you know that it is not live and it is mm-hmm. going to be heavily edited later. And I think that my skill sets do not line up very well with the live production and line up much better with the heavy post-production. And that, that's part of the way I do that this way. There is only one time that me and you have recorded live, right? Which was right. when we did the, when you were part of the RelayCon Connected event that we did mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And it wasn't Cortex. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was something completely different. Yeah. Go, go to the link in the show notes for anyone who hasn't heard that, yeah. to hear a totally different version of me in public. <laughs> it was effectively Cortex Live. It was like a totally different thing. It was a performance. It was very strange. It was yeah. good, but totally different to this show. Yeah, and, and, and had a mic totally on edge the whole time. I was railroaded. <laughs> yeah, which was somewhat delightful to me, but not necessarily a thing I want to reproduce all the time. No, I don't. I, I, my heart couldn't take that. I have no <laughs> idea what you were going to do. It was terrifying. But uh, the question from, from Twilis was, how long does the editing process take? Now, for me, um, it takes effectively two minutes to every minute that you hear. Right. So if it is an hour long, it took me about two hours to do. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of like a good average. It's a, it takes me about twice the amount of time to get the edit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when you're done with the edit, it's passed to me through Dropbox for editing in Logic. And uh, I do uh, another listen through. And because you have done the heavy lifting in the edit, it probably takes me about a minute and 10 seconds on average for every minute of actual content. So I'm I'm mostly listening through to the show and making a few minor changes or cutting out a few things but it's it's not remotely the amount of work that you're doing and that's that's why it can take me much less time to do the edit than it takes you to do besides youtube uploading what is the least liked part of creating and posting an episode what's your answer to this mike for me it is the actual posting of the audio nothing's ever gone wrong but eventually it will and the fact that we've posted, this will be the 40th time, and there's never been a disaster, means it's mm-hmm. only getting closer until the point where like, the audio is out of sync or something mm-hmm. like that. And it doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter how many times I check it, which I do many, many times, eventually I'm going to get it wrong. That's yeah. the worst part. It is like the immediate 30 minutes after posting to just wait if I did it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it is so easy to mess up at the last second when you're doing an export it's, with audio. Like, well, especially with our like insane house of cards that we've set. Because recently we've come across this bug that when Gray sends me back the audio, there's like this horrific noise gate compression put on it that I have to fix. And we cannot work out why this is happening. 
but it is. And it's yeah. like there's, there's all these little things that we, we are using logic in a way that it shouldn't be used with like two people working on the same file. Like, yeah, it is yeah. obviously not designed for this, and mm-hmm. we have obviously run into bugs where it's like there's something about the fact that we're sharing this file that is messing it up. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, listeners, if one day my voice sounds like terrible quality in the podcast you know what happened right it's like this this thing that we have to manually fix each time that we can't figure out why it occurs like we missed it this time like that's mm-hmm. it's just going to happen it's going to happen one of these days there are like these little things that we have to do where we have to confirm to each other the size of the file before mm-hmm. it's sent backwards and forwards because it's just yeah we're we're really kind of stretching it to its to its limit yeah it shouldn't be used this way we should probably be switching to something like the Adobe Suite, maybe. Is it collaborative audio editing? I doubt it. They, they do. They have a whole section for team projects. For the really? Whole thing is, yeah, yeah, really. Well, we can talk about it later. Oh, okay <laughs> then. Well, my ears just pricked up. I was just investigating this this morning, but they have a whole section for cloud-based collaboration projects between teams. <laughs> okay. We could edit at the same time. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Well, that'd be a nightmare. Let's not do that. What's your least like part? My least favorite part is that you are a slave driver with the schedule. Yeah. I, 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 I don't like schedules. Mm-hmm. If that's not clear to my audience by now, I don't know what could possibly make it more clear. But good God, do I not like schedules. I think schedules are anti-creative. I just personally don't like them. And Mike over here is a task driver. He's always got the whip out. He's like, it's time to record another Cortex. I'm always like, we just recorded a Cortex. And he's like, no, it's actually been two weeks. But there's something about the the regularness of it that it really does slowly drive me crazy and eat me alive inside. Okay. (laughs) I think the show's better for it, personally. (laughs) The show is more frequent for it, that's for sure. What are some backstage horror stories about the creation of anything Cortex-related? I think you have to answer this because from my perspective, everything is smooth, but that's because I do a vastly smaller portion of the work. All right. Well, I have one. Okay. There was an episode recorded last summer. I, th- uh, I think it was the one before we were complaining about how hot it was. Mm-hmm. So there was there was one episode where me and you spent an amount of time complaining about the heat. Oh, yeah. Because I wouldn't let you have your air conditioning on. Because oh, yeah. the episode the week before, because I think this was in our first 10, maybe, or like the, the one previous, you left your air conditioning on. Mm. And it could be clearly heard in the audio. And I tried to minimize that. And I was trying to fix that edit from the early afternoon until about 2 a.m., trying to get the audio to be cleaner than what you'd given me. And I have a very clear memory of sitting downstairs in my current house (laughs) on the sofa because I couldn't be in the bedroom anymore because Adina was sleeping and I was sweating out of heat and frustration at 2am trying to make your audio possible. That is the biggest horror story and that is why I will not let Grey have the air conditioning on anymore. I can add that to my list of least favorite things about creating the show is that Mike won't let me run my air conditioning while we're recording. This is for you, listener, because that episode, I hate the way that one sounds because you can hear the air conditioning and it cuts in and out every now and then. It's, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, but I was 30% more comfortable. 
it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I could really, I could really hear the emotion in your voice there, Mike. It's just not. If you were like ninety percent more, then maybe I could swing it. Thirty mm-hmm. percent is not enough, man. Okay. <laughs> On average, how much of the raw recording is posted? Well, as you said, if you see ninety minutes, <laughs> there was like three and a half hours of stuff that's unusable. Yeah. How, however, I think we have a pretty good ratio of when we actually seriously start recording the show and when we seriously stop recording the show. I think, I mean, that ratio has to be like 90% of what we record really for mm-hmm. the show makes it in. These days, it's probably about max 10 minutes get cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a very focused show when, when we begin. But it, and I think it, the focus is aided by the fact that we have gassed for a while. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, I believe in this show being focused because of the underlining thing that we're talking about, which is productivity, right? And it, it, the way that we work and the way that people work. And I think having a focused show with a nice outline, that, that feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love the fact that you have a bunch of topics that you outline mm-hmm. because again as as the theme with the entirety of the behind the scenes production of the show it means that i can do less which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why the show can exist in the first place this is the thing right like i will i will write the outline i will prepare i will you know take the first edit post the show make the youtube video all you need to do is show up every second thursday <laughs> it's not hard <laughs> <laughs> in case you can't tell listeners mike is driving at a thing that we've been talking about <laughs> making his making his little points on the show it's all he wants every he second wants. thursday you know you just show up every second thursday and it's all taken care of so nice so frequent happy cortexmas everybody <laughs> <laughs>